0: Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another episode of this podcast that you're listening to. With me, as always, are my co-hosts,
1: Joshua. I was honestly really ready for you to call it by the wrong name, because
0: you keep calling it that. What 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 wrong name do I... oh, do I keep calling it? Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, you keep you keep oh, calling it the
1: Diecast, and it's like, no, that's not the name of it anymore. It's not even technically the same podcast, although it basically
0: is. Yeah, basically, until until the, this podcast reaches its final form and crawls out of the pod chrysalis, and spreads its pod wings and flies off.
1: I like that idea. Where it's a work in progress.
0: Yep, it's it's basically the protagonist of like a cheesy '90s comedy who just like needs the right person to come along and free it from its dodgy old roots into a new fun-loving self. And I think just just the person to do that is, of course, our resident manic pixie dream critic, uh, Chris Franklin.
2: Hello, everyone loves me and I'm happy and I'm a ball of pet pat manic happy cute energy because I, I can't keep this up.
0: Yeah. I, okay. Well, you try. It, it's fine. Uh, Alex, the only role we've got left is stodgy old boss uh, who's, like, obsessed with money and the bottom line. Does that work for you?
3: It's completely unlike me, but I'm I can pull it off, I think. It's just, um, bills and checks and the like, you know.
0: Okay, yes. You need some kind of catchphrase or, like, some kind of, like, prop that you use to symbolize, like, the drudgery of the job. That you inflict on Chris? Uh, no, Josh. That's right.
1: Wait, what role am I again?
0: Uh, you're the protagonist. Uh, I've just decided that I'm your oh, okay, fun-loving cool. friend.
1: Well, I'm the protagonist of real life anyway. So,
0: <laughs> no one has yet disproven this. Anyway, uh, so this week, uh, apparently Josh has been playing the same video game that he was playing last time that he talked about. I did Uh, want you around
1: to talk about it with, because you hated XCOM 2 Vanilla just as much as I did.
0: I hated XCOM 2 Vanilla as a critic. Uh, As a fan of dressing up my soldiers like the Power Rangers, it was my game of the year, frankly. Well,
1: that was the best part.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chomping at those cigars, aviator sunglasses.
1: Honestly, I felt like they could have used a few more faces...
0: Yeah, they could have, to be fair. I also love how it makes absolutely no sense that like all of your soldiers look like that. Well, the <laughs> like
1: that's, that's... the backstory is they're like crazy psychos that you basically recruited off of the the streets as it were to to join up with you and, and shoot some aliens. <laughs>
0: Right, and the like, predilection for attracting, like, unstable people is pretty much exactly why the military standardizes its soldiers into such yeah. cohesive units. <laughs> like, if the apocalypse happens and you've got a bunch of, like, just, you know, crazy woodsmen joining your military force from around the world who don't even speak the same language, basically the first thing you want to do is get those motherfuckers in the same, the same boring uniform. <laughs>
1: I mean, the game doesn't even auto-assign, like, the, everybody speaks English, and the game doesn't even auto-assign, like, British accents to anyone, so everybody's from America. I don't know, maybe they maybe they give British accents to, like, people who are specifically from the UK, but nobody else.
2: Maybe they shouldn't speak English, maybe you should be all, like, Simlish. Well, so, like, you, you can actually... Do and he's like, doop
1: de they they also have voice lines that, like, you can switch their language. So they talk in, like, French, Spanish, or German, uh, in addition to um, English. Oddly, no, like, Chinese or Japanese or anything. Are there any of these, like, other ones that you kind of expect as, like, big-name countries? I want to make all my, yeah, just... my
2: soldiers speak Mandarin. Is there no option for, like, Swedish Chef? Because that would be awesome. <laughs>
0: There, there's there's actually plenty of XCOM 2 custom voices, uh, I will say, but the best one of which by far is the Bob Ross voice.
1: Oh man, shit! I'm like almost yeah. finished with my XCOM 2 campaign. I might like mod that in.
0: And get it I know small. it's just Google Bob Ross XCOM. Uh, somebody made like an XCOM operative that looks exactly like Bob Ross, and it's it's pretty much gold.
1: I guess there's also a Worf voice pack, which is weird because Worf is in this game now. Really? Yeah. Uh, so this came up last week when we were talking about XCOM 2, but um, the new factions they add. So there's there's three new factions. Each faction has the faction leader and, like, the hero unit, except the hero unit for one of the factions is, like, a nobody that has no story uh, uh, presence whatsoever. So you basically got five characters, All five of these characters are voiced by someone from Star Trek The Next Generation. You have Jonathan Frakes, you have Marina Sirtis, Michael Dorn, Denise Crosby, and John Delancey. It's so weird. Sadly, you you can't recreate Tasha Yar's death scene because uh, Denise Crosby voices one of the, the faction leaders, so you don't actually get a unit of her, but I don't know my, why my mind went specifically to that, aside from that, like, Tasha Yar's death scene was really fucking stupid.
2: Yeah, but...
1: Tar Monster. Literally, the Tar Monster, like, hits her and she dies. And that's the way you kill a main character in Star Trek The Next Generation, apparently. Like, it's the equivalent of... um so Star Trek Generations, you know, the film, the the first Star Trek The Next Generation film, except it's kind of also the seventh original series film because Kirk uh, and whoever else they could round up from the original cast who would actually be there is in that film. Uh, in this particular case, it's it's Kirk, Scotty, and Chekhov for some reason. Uh, anyway, Kirk dies famously by having a bridge dropped on him, which was not exactly uh, the death that anyone had imagined for Kirk. originally his death was literally just the villain shoots him in the back uh, and 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 the test audiences reacted negatively to that uh, and and there was probably this sentiment of like Kirk should die on the bridge so of course they changed it so that he falls off off the bridge and it falls onto him so
2: yay. You know, I that like Generation. I have not seen it. I'm just saying. Uh the problem with Generation everything... McDowell.
1: It does have Malcolm McDowell. And Malcolm McDowell's like villain is pretty decent as far as trek villains go, although that's not really much of a bar to meet. Um but like everything about the climax is just wrong and bad. You you end yeah, up with like true three elderly dudes fighting on a mountain and then the enterprise gets blown up by a ship that is smaller weaker and way older than it like literally described as unantique in the script
0: and like (sighs) anyway moving on to uh the first semblance of a topic that we will hold up vainly an attempt to give structure to our, our lives as well as our program this is october in case you hadn't noticed it and i thought that it's appropriate that we get a little bit of halloweeny topics in since we don't have Ooh. too much actual halloween content planned the spoops Spoops indeed. Uh, I want to talk, actually, just sort of go go from person to person and talk a little bit about our sort of relationship with horror and horror games, because I know this is something we've got at implicitly, like when we've done horror-themed specials, but uh, I, I think that it's there's a lot more to say than we've sort of talked about before. Uh, let's actually start with Alex, because I don't know that we've ever done a scary game with Alex on the show before, uh, besides that one that you guys played, which I guess was quasi-scary? It
3: so was scary to me, I suppose.
0: Uh, the one where you were playing Alan Wake, but he was a private detective investigating ghosts. Oh,
3: Kona. I thought you were going to say the um, Stranger oh, yeah. Things thing.
1: Yeah, we also did Not that, and that, was that was much more spooky. Tales Unknown.
3: That was Stories
1: scary.
0: Unknown.
3: Yes. So, oh, Alex, um, uh, yeah. What's the question?
0: <laughs> the question is, uh, what is your relationship with scary video games? Uh, do you enjoy them? D- how much do they actually scare you? What kind of scary games do you like?
3: Um, So, I really like scary games, even though I'm a person that hates jump scares, because I think a lot of scary games rely on jump scares. And... um. I didn't really start playing till, I can't even remember like what the first scary game was that I played because they just never, they always seemed like more adult to me than other games when I'd go to the game store, right? Because I'd always based it off what the cover looked like. And I'm like, well, these scary games seem like sort of weird because I remember seeing things like um, Fatal Frame in the store because I'm like, that's kind of creepy and weird, those two little girls. I don't know if I want to play that. Or, like the Resident Evils, which just looked like for adults, so I avoided a lot of horror games just because the box art is weird, which I guess is like you know that's how you did things back in the day, but I'm very into um Resident Evil and Silent Hill and um some of the indie stuff that comes out is a little too scary for me, like um
0: it's it's piquant
3: yeah like the the atmospheric stuff really gets me too but um i just i when i go to like smaller horror games i'm always like um not sure what to expect uh but i did really like cry of fear i did play that it was a little bizarre and the beginning is like very jump scary so again i don't know why i put myself through this but it's i guess that's the appeal I'll just die one maybe sooner rather than later of a heart attack because you know that's family traditions. <laughs>
0: that's that's kind of like when you reach that moment in the game where you're like, my physical reaction to this is enough that I have at this point a kernel of actual real world concern. <laughs> so like you, you say, atmospheric games. Like what's an example of a horror game that really like clicked for you that like really worked for you?
3: Well, P.T. is probably, like, the biggest example for me. If you Well, I call it a game. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it just got increasingly... Well, it's already disturbing at the beginning before anything weird happens because it's hallways. And that's the same reason why the beginning of Resident Evil 7, when I played it in VR, really scared me, too. Because I couldn't stand, like, walking down those hallways, mostly because it reminded me of P.T., Um, and just, like, the, like, sort of ever-creeping dread, and I know it's not completely all atmospheric, I know there's just legit, like, horror ghost stuff happening in that, um, um, in that game, but it's kind of just, it's that, that the feeling of dread, I think, is what gets me.
0: Uh, Yeah, I, I like that, too. It's, like, a game where, like, something jumps out of a closet twice the whole game... For me, works a lot better than like a game where something is jumping out of the closet every ten minutes because that just exhausts me.
3: But I also hate it when it's just a few jump scares because they're usually really good.
0: <laughs> it's like the, the, if if they're saving it up for two of them, it's it's gonna be like it's gonna be really fucking brutal.
3: Yeah, exactly. But when it's too many times, I just can't take it anymore. Mostly, more like. I get annoyed after, but I guess
0: that—that's a very specific quantity of jump scares.
3: I, I or you hate could just play scares. Spooky's House of Horror.
0: Oh
1: and yeah! And never
3: go past the first part, just to keep doing the fun little jump scares.
1: If you don't mind me jumping in here a little bit, uh, not to steal the spotlight. From yeah, Alex, go but, ahead. Um, like I, I hate jump scares because. I don't actually find them scary. Like jump scares are startling. Like they they freak you out for a second. And then you're like, oh okay, it was it was it was one of those things that jumps into your screen and you're not expecting the sudden change in sensory information. And you freak out. Uh, but it's not like like horror games. I like to see more like dreading foreboding kind of stuff uh and and for me like that's scary whereas jump scares are kind of like just oh i got startled for a second haha that was a nice prank um you know uh uh i think a scarier thing is is when you're waiting for a jump scare that never comes right because you know, That's could, I mean, it I it could think, happen. I think
0: the ultimate example of that. I think the ultimate example of that is probably uh, *Kitty Horror Show's *Anatomy*. You know, like, where, where yeah.
1: That is a really oh, good uh, horror
0: game.
3: Spoil- oh yeah, I can't play for, any of those.
0: Uh, *Anatomy* from like five seconds. They're too <laughs> scary.
3: I can't do. It. Even the even if they tell you there's no jump scares, I will still think there would be one. You know, like they're like, "Oh no, don't worry, there's none." I ble- I don't believe you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll Anatomy I, I can definitely recommend as a, a great horror game. Uh, it's not that much on itch.io. In fact, I think it might just be a pay whatever you want.
0: Yeah, nothing we've said ruins the experience of playing Anatomy. It's fucking freaky, and it, it's really good. I like the uh, the writing actually really impresses me in Anatomy, and I find myself kind of infrequently impressed by game writing in particular. Because there's a lot that really has to come together for it to stand out uh, in the way it's delivered. But I think that Anatomy is is an example of something that has really creative, interesting uh, text. Plus great delivery. Uh, actually, which sort of brings me around to Chris, uh, cause we're talking about jump scares, and I think, you know, kind of how we all like find the jump scare to be like a necessary component to horror ultimately, but like not really a desirable one, more an exhausting one. Chris, I know that you in particular have kind of a different relationship with the jump scare, uh, especially since, you know, you, you, you actually enjoy going to like horror nights events, like to, to, to to, to haunted, in real life haunted houses. I wonder if you could uh, talk a little bit about that
2: uh yeah i i think i think you can i i know i'm in the minority on this but i i like jump scares um i like the adrenaline rush i like now you can be obnoxious about jump scares just like you can be obnoxious about jokes right like if you, if you throw out a groaner joke in the in an inappropriately timed setting you're the worst human being alive and everyone rolls their eyes and hates you but if you throw out a Thank decent you. joke at the right time Everything is. People think you're great, and I, I feel the same way about jump scares. You you have to do it in a way that is earned. You have to earn the jump, and it's if you don't earn it, like if it, if it's one of those obnoxious things where like you're in broad daylight and it's the beginning of a horror movie, and then there's just a jump cut with a violin sting, and it just ring, and you're like, oh my god, oh it's just the freaking friend we're introducing, and he's showing up obnoxiously like. <laughs> Up to the side of the car, and be like, "Hey, Susan, what are we doing?" Like that that's stuff the beginning is of uh, Cabin
3: in the Woods. But it's yes, like the like beginning of joke, Cabin but... in the Woods.
2: Yeah, that that is obnoxious. Um, but I think you can earn a decent jump scare. I, I think there are jump scares that are earned. Like say the end of not to spoil anything, but the end of Friday the Thirteenth, the original. Um, I, I think that's an earned jump scare. You think everything is good. Everything is finally put to bed. And the whole film, you've been afraid of uh, of Jason, and it turns out it's not Jason, it's his mom, and then at the very end of the film, we see Jason, and that's a, that's like an earned jump scare, I feel like. Like, the the whole movie is leading up to that. Um, there, there are times where it works. So, I like jump scares. Uh, I think they can be used really inappropriately and make me roll my eyes and go, alright, yeah, whatever, where's your actually scary stuff? But they can be used appropriately in specific contexts.
0: Yeah. I tend to agree. I think that jump
1: scares, like, often... Not all games need jump scares, but I think that jump scares, like, serve a necessary element of, um... putting you on edge. But they're kind of like, um... like, fight scenes in a movie. If your movie has too many fight scenes, they all just kind of run together and turn into mush. Um, or if the fight scenes go on too long, you know, if you have too many jump scares going on, eventually the player's just going to kind of get used to it and go like, "Oh," and, and be able to predict exactly where the jump scares are going to start coming up, um, and and it won't have the same effect. It's one of those things that has to be used at specific times.
2: It, it's a weird thing because like you have to earn the jump scare itself, but then often the jump scare is used also for tone building to throw people off, right? Because yeah. you want people to feel off-kilter, and, like, like having that scare makes you not trust the film or the game or the whatever. So, like, they're used to make you not trust the thing, but you also have to earn that first jump. So it's not like you could, like... That's what makes the 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 opening of the movie Jump Scare Obnoxious, right? Like, because it's unearned, and it you know what they're trying to do, which is put you in a mindset of horror without earning any of the actual horror. Whereas, like... If you build up to that first jump scare and, and and get it, and it's it's somewhat deserved, and puts you in a mind of, oh, okay, I, I can't trust this game, I can't trust this movie, it might try to scare me at any moment, then there's tension. And that works. And and that sets you up for like other things other than just pure jump scares. Um, you can set up all sorts of creepy tones and things like that once you've established that the, the film or the game can't be trusted. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a good way to frame it.
3: But wouldn't you argue, Chris, that um, because so many people have done the jump scare that people go into a movie expecting certain places or situations or even like people who are a little bit more in the know, like the camera angles or the like field of view, like you know where something's going to come from. So I think nowadays people are just... Failing at jump scares mostly because we've seen it. We've seen it all. Like there's already there's only so many ways well, you can do it. I I mean
2: I I don't know about that. Like I mean that's that's I've been playing crappy first person shooters for thirty years and I, it's like there's only so many ways you can shoot monsters in a first person game and it's like yeah at a certain level that's true but also I keep finding new ways to be entertained by it and I I, I think the same thing is true about jump scares. I think. Most jump scares are lazy. It's it, the, the more a jump scare relies on a violin, string, loud, noise, sharp, scary thing, um, the worse it is. But I, I think you can point to some really good examples of, of, of jump scares. I, I think the original Halloween is good at having Michael Myers come in at random element, random points in the frame. And more recently, I think like the Conjuring films are, are better at, at having things come into frame from directions you wouldn't expect. Um, specifically like that scene where... The mom has, like, got the match, and she's staring down into the basement, and the, the hands come from behind her and clap. Like, stuff like that, where you just, you're looking at the frame and expecting something to come in from out of frame, but it comes in from behind the darkness. Stuff like that is really creepy.
0: Yeah, right, that, that, yeah. That one That's... scene in, um, I want to say it's one of the grudge movies where there's the, uh the train or the elevator i forget which it is the point is that the protagonist is in a seat yeah i think it's a train and it's moving and as it's moving every time it passes like a certain kind of like rail or something uh like the the image of a ghost in the window comes closer and there's no sting there's no like music or anything like that it's just it's completely silent and the protagonist doesn't see it happen and that's very effective
3: Oh, that's cool
2: and, and there's like, and and I think jump scares are just one flavor of horror. And I, I think we've touched on this earlier, this this conversation. But like, like I love It Follows, and It Follows generally doesn't have a ton of actual jump scares. I also liked It Follows, and actually, that's one thing I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, is
0: I find that I'm okay with horror, and I really like horror movies. But I have zero tolerance for, like, aggressively genre horror films. Like, here's why I liked It Follows. Because something happens in it, which is something that they came up with, which is an idea that is new. Like, the story of It Follows is not, like, just, like... It's it's not like, oh, no, th- these bad things are happening, and then they're happening to this person... I think it might be that person. Oh no, it's not. That person's dead now. It's this old woman I met in the beginning and now she's giving a speech. She's giving a speech about full of flashbacks to like earlier where bad stuff was happening to her and now she's going to kill me. Except I just came up with something and now she dies. But is she dead? Like, I don't want to watch that movie again. I've seen that way too many fucking times. (laughs) Um... I th- I
1: I was gonna kind of move to a slightly different topic. If you want to keep talking about that, cancer, you can go ahead.
2: No, I was just gonna say, um my my thing is more like in in relation to horror that no longer has the effect you want on you, um uh, and I I wanna say we brought this up a couple weeks ago, but like um horror with a a, a monster that you like more than the characters is always a bad sign. Um because like it, it sort of ruins. Well it yeah, it is a great example. Um but but it is like a really recent example. I also think of like slashers like well, uh Frank I, I mean, and Jason. I think it the
1: miniseries, everybody also liked Tim Curry more than any of the other characters.
0: Uh I think that's that's yeah. an interesting example because some of the characters are likable. Uh I think that they, they do a good job of sort of showing you what their damage is. Uh and Tim Curry is very charismatic. But yeah. not necessarily, like, sympathetic.
2: Well, like, I, I just bring it up because at a certain point when you like the the monster, it stops being able to scare you. Because, like, we went to the... Uh, this is bringing up Halloween Horror Nights but we went to the um, uh, Freddy vs. Jason house a few years ago and the Freddy vs. Jason house wasn't really scary at all not because it was a badly designed house but because every time Freddy or Jason show up you're like smiling going oh my god it's Freddy or Jason I want to take a picture with these guys these guys are awesome they're like my favorite and I felt the same (laughs) way watching the Stephen King It movie that recently came out where I'm like every time Pennywise was on screen even when it was scary I had a big smile on my face because I'm like I love this guy this is a great interpretation of this Clown, it's great, and and I want to see more of him. Which is not the response you want to get from something that is terrifying. You want to be like, no, get it away, get it away. I don't want to ever see this again. It's terrifying. Instead, I'm just like grinning ear to ear every time uh, scarsguard is on on screen, and it, it's it's difficult. So it, it, in relation to like how how formula kind of ruins it for you, I think having these very specific monsters that you like ruin it for me. Like I, I think the unknown is scary horror icons are not scary they're just cool and that's that's a difficult thing to do it's hard to make freddy krueger scary and not just because we've seen 30 movies with freddy krueger it's because freddy krueger says bitch a lot and does a bunch of puns and wears a fedora and has a cool glove and and people like freddy krueger um whereas like you know some sort of unseen unknown force is a lot creepier anyway sorry i
1: think i think that's kind of a problem with like horror franchising because that inevitably horror franchising unlike pretty much every other genre gets focused around the antagonist or the monster like aliens films are about alien in fact alien is probably the the franchise that has managed to do this the least actually with uh, with ripley being a very strong protagonist that tends to show up in most of the media um but even you know with alien it's about the alien um you know uh friday the 13th movies are about jason they're not about the other characters um even though they're framed as being about the horror characters you know you you chuck that cast out again and 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 bring in you know um freddie for the next movie uh so so you've kind of got that problem of like you become familiar with the the horror of that particular franchise uh, you know, be that a monster or a killer or whatever. Um, if I can bring things back to the, to the jump scare stuff for a minute, I think, um, something we haven't talked about with regards to jump scares is something that, um, you could, you could almost, you don't see it in video games almost ever. Um, and that's for probably because it's really hard to pull off in a video game, but I I think like you could call it a reverse jump scare, but I might call it like the best kind of jump scare because when you see it, you jump, but nothing's changed. And that's, um, Marble Hornets does this really well in a number of scenes. And that's the mm. the the kind of, of scare where you're watching a scene and then you slowly realize that the monster has been in frame the entire
2: time and you didn't notice. Oh, I, I, don't yeah. like yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. That freaks me out.
3: Me neither. I don't like money things, it seems. I keep bringing up stuff, I'm like, that scares me too.
2: I I actually
0: really like that kind, um, because that's that's kind of the thrill I'm looking for in a way yeah uh, I, I'm not looking for like a jolt to the system, which is like a kind of like an aggressive thing where it, it it's like a physical infliction I'm definitely looking for things that make me feel all kind like a range of uneasiness and kind of dread uh, that like includes that kind of feeling
3: what I thought you were gonna say too is when they do something where you're looking at something and you're like you're, you know, it's going to move, and it like never does, but you can't look away, or else if it moves, then you didn't. Make, That's also like, didn't really good. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The the worst for me is anytime a a scene is with like a character that doesn't know something bad is happening or doesn't know they're being watched. Like that always freaks me out. Like there's a scene in um, Insidious where the mom is doing laundry and cleaning up the house, and she is, like, picking up laundry and walking into the kitchen, and as she walks into the kitchen, um, we walk through, like, a pantry, and there's, like, a 1920s newspaper page boy in that room with her, and she doesn't see it, and he's staring in the corner like it's freaking Blair Witch, and she just walks beyond, but you see it because he's in frame. She just walks beyond it because she doesn't see it. That freaks me out every single time, like... I don't like the idea that there's something I'm just not paying attention to that is ominous and in the room with me, and that, that creeps me out.
1: Yeah, like the characters doing household stuff and then like the camera pans over and in the window is the killer just watching. Yeah, any notice. any of the,
2: the watching, that creeps me out. I feel like
1: Until Dawn was like 90% that until it turned into a monster movie. <laughs>
0: it It's also interesting kind of how different like you know i think i think that video games and movies have very i think that they it's like deceptively similar uh patterns of horror and of delivering scares, but I think that one thing that gets neglected sometimes with games is that like it's actually i think the main system of delivering a scare in a video game is forcing players to progress forcing them to engage and sort of step into the line of a potential scare themselves it's kind of that yeah. like reaching your hand into the dark cupboard that may or may not contain a mouse trap feeling as opposed to horror movies which you know are more ultimately passive where you just sort of sympathize with the protagonist at best who's doing the same thing it's um it it's 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 hard because they share a lot of the same language of horror as opposed to like a a horror movie and a horror story like I've actually been um. For my Patreon this past month or so, and you know, until until Halloween, I've been writing uh, horror shorts uh, in sort of the same, uh, like, 18th century, low fantasy uh, setting that I use for my, my novels. Uh, and it's been an interesting exercise because, you know, it, it's really a kind of, like, you have to kind of rediscover the ghost story, like that format uh, uh, of being frightening. Which is not something that a lot of contemporary media really uses. Like even like long form horror novels, uh, ultimately are more slow burn and like sort of build up to more intense scenes than you can really accomplish in like a short story. But neither has much to do with like kind of the dominant forms of like scary media, which is like again horror movies. To an extent, horror TV shows. Though I think people can agree that most of those are pretty bad. Uh, and then I guess like horror horror games. I,
1: I'm honestly trying to think of a horror TV show that isn't Stranger Things.
0: The Exorcist uh, show actually was pretty good.
2: Oh. Hannibal's kind of a horror show. There's yeah. our of the Dark was an old show. Is it There's really? um is, American is Hannibal, Horror Story. American Horror Story is a written. terrible show though. Walking Dead border Walking uh, American Horror Story is a terrible show, save for one season. Um uh, Zombies don't Dead.
0: count I, Okay, wait, 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 wait. I I'm really curious, Chris, which season is the good one? Because everybody gives a different
2: answer. Uh I, I'm gonna give the season everybody hated, uh six, the last one. The one that wasn't the one that is not this season, but the one that aired last year.
0: Okay, sounds good.
2: Okay. Um Tales from the Crypt, uh Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, um
0: Twilight Zone is great, but I I don't know if I, many episodes would genuinely qualify for horror. I think most yeah, of
2: like for weird
0: science.
1: Twilight Zone like, is horror adjacent. Like horrific things happen sometimes, and usually I mean that's like the, the horror, but
0: like the the talkie teen episode, for example, like is that's that's full throated horror, and it's actually still effective,
3: in my opinion.
2: Uh, what else? I'm sure there are other horror TV shows. I'd put Black um, Mirror
3: under that category. At least one yeah, episode is straight up horror, like traditional haunted house. But then it's VR. VR. But then it's a haunted oh, house. Oh, the...
2: The the Sci Fi Channel about uh, creepy pasta. The Sci Fi Channel show about that. The one that did the can- Candle Cove or whatever. Uh, did that show season. get like
0: really bad
2: ratings? I'm I'm sure it did, but it got a second season. Lots and it, of now shows it's about on the... Sci Fi
1: get really bad ratings. True.
3: There's Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International. Do those
1: count? <laughs>
3: like are how how
1: staged are those shows and how much are those shows? Uh, two old white dudes going into an attic, turning on the night filter, and trying to act
0: like something scary is happening. I think most of them have a pretty 20-something woman. Yeah, I get it right, Josh. Uh, also, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that they don't have any actual ghosts on that show, Josh.
1: I, you know, sometimes you tell you me know my about stuff and I don't care, but now I'm really upset. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i actually, i okay, I actually knew somebody once um who was like very strictly religious and at one point we were discussing like supernatural phenomena who none of which fell within the purview of their kind of very specific uh brand of faith, and they revealed that the one thing they believed in was ghosts, specifically from watching ghost hunter television shows. And it's like, what a weird thing to challenge, uh, like, your, your dogmatic interpretation of the afterlife ghost hunter television shows.
1: Weird.
0: Like, I, I, I don't have any problem, like, if you have a very specific idea of what the afterlife is like. I don't have any problem if you believe in ghosts. But it's weird to compromise the one with the other. That's, that's my only comment. i don't know
1: i guess if you believed in purgatory you could read ghosts as purgatory or something i don't know
0: did did purgatory get i don't know i don't know this is really not like our this is not our (laughs) bail.
1: um i haven't really gone into my relationship with horror games
0: uh no you haven't um why don't you do that and then i have one last horror related round table sure uh yeah, so, um... Well, actually, can, veterans... I, can I can I get you started here a little bit, Josh? Yeah, go, okay, yeah, sure. Because, yeah, because people know what your relationship to horror games on the show yes. is. Yes. Which is, we have played horror games, and you are universally disaffected by the threat, and seek to kind of compromise and mock it. And I think that probably people's assumptions would be that horror just doesn't really stick to you. So,
1: I have an interesting relationship with with how I play the games on this show versus how I play them in real life. And most of the time, like, I don't play games at all like I play games on Spoiler Warning. Like, um, I tend to play good characters. I tend to to do, like, as much as I can to explore the world and save everybody. You know, I do ghost pacifist Dishonored runs, and that's pretty much the only way I play Dishonored. Um, But with horror games, I feel like the way I've portrayed them on the show is actually much closer to the way that I actually play them in real life. Um, To me, horror is i i'm interested like so the other thing is like when i'm playing horror games even on the show um i'm not actually not scared um like like when i was playing amnesia on the show like there were scary moments
0: where i was genuinely frightened you know uh, uh i think you can hear it i think you can hear it at one point where you're like what's up to the the ghost it, like especially the second, yeah up, like shakes a little uh, and especially in the machine for Pigs episode,
1: I think there are a couple times when i I do sound a little scared um and, and I guess even in the the um Slenderman episode, I was a little on edge, even though like the like i Slenderman is kind of a weird thing for me where I encountered it in in video game form and like like people talking about it on the internet um before I encountered Marble Hornets. Um, I actually recently watched through Marble Hornets and thought it was pretty good, except that like like binging it all at once, you get kind of like wrapped up in the like wow, there's a lot of like getting to what you think is a climax, and then the show resets in this show. Um,
0: Did it end? Is it over now?
1: It, it's over. It's over. Right. It ended like three years ago. Um,
0: okay. I actually, th- I think I like I I lost. I like I I was up to date with it for a while and then i forget honestly uh if it got a point where like i just sort of like couldn't keep up with it or if i just got too change it to keep up with it because <laughs> it that show got me good and it's gotten got yeah and i imagine if i know you were, really good
1: i imagine if you were watching it on a weekly basis like and then like thinking about it for a while it would be worse than like watching like binge watching it like i did like i watched the entire thing in two sessions um Yeah. And and And, it's long. It's like eight hours.
0: I will say that, okay, I I won't go too much into detail, but I will say there was a part where, like, when I was watching for the first time in my dorm room, uh, this is probably actually the most I've ever been affected by a jump scare. Uh, I literally jumped up out of my chair and pushed it backwards uh, and, like, startled my roommate, even, (laughs) though I was listening to it with headphones. (laughs) Uh, and it wasn't what you'd really traditionally think of as a jump scare, is the interesting part. Um, and I will say, I was watching it with a friend of mine, um, who actually, uh, like, when we got to that part, I knew it was coming, uh, they screamed like, not like a, like, ah, scream, like a like a full throated klaxon, like danger, we're being attacked by a saber toothed tiger, scream, and like, I was kind of sitting next to them, and I like put my hand on their mouth, like, cause like you know we're we're, we're like in an area where there's people around, and like we don't want to, di- I don't want to disturb them, I like we we're good enough friends, and like that wasn't like <laughs> right, a thing. right, it was like a violation of personal space, and they actually bit my hand. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, Marble Hornets is really good as a found footage thing. Um maybe the best one. Uh there's there's some really good genuine horror moments in it. Like like there's a lot of like uh, of episodes that kind of seems like that in the moment, I'm sure we're kind of like a string along and like get you anticipating the the next big thing. But like in retrospect, it's a slow like burn. Let's put it that way. Very much filler. Like nothing happens
0: in them. Uh, also, I I we should just add the disclaimer. Some people are basically immune to it. Give it like, I mean, they're short. Give it like 20 episodes. Like when I say short, they're like a few minutes long mostly. Uh, like especially the early watch movies. it for like an hour or two. Yeah, I like watch it for an hour or two. Uh, if you're into it, you're into it. Uh, if not, uh, that, that's cool. But uh, it's for some people, it seems to work really well. So, like horror
1: to me, I I want to experience like that existential dread. Like I like being afraid, and I guess that's like not something that a lot of people, at least, express to the extent that I do. Um, but, but horror games to me are, are about like pushing myself to that edge where I'm really scared and seeing how far I can kind of go and continue to overcome it and keep playing. Um, like for that reason, I, I kind of think that, that amnesia is one of the best horror games of all time because it does that really well um it it puts every it puts all of its chips into like the the like keep the player really scared without actually like having a lot of material harm potentially happen to them you know like there are a few like there there are uh, uh, plenty of monsters in the game but they're kind of in a few sections and it's it's not that difficult to escape the monster and everything is focused on this atmosphere of dread um, there aren't a lot of jump scares, you know. I feel like the ones that are there are are placed in a, a way that, you know, as you were saying, they they earn their horror. Um like when I'm looking at a horror game, I wanna feel scared. I want a a continuous, maybe rising level of dread as I'm continuing going on and, and, and trying to, you know, Um, navigate the world and make my way through it um and that's kind of like strangely exhilarating to me in a um sort of masochistic kind of way um which is weird when i think about it that way uh so like i don't like like games like resident evil and silent hill and games that are kind of like um almost goofy with their horror, and they have a lot of enemies to fight, and, and the, what horror elements are there are either focused on, like, how horrific the enemies are, or, like, the, the potential horror of, like, do I have enough supplies to actually keep going, um, I don't tend to like that. Doesn't do it for me very much. So I don't tend to really like those games or play most of those games. Um, but but games that can really elicit that fear of of primal dread in you—that's where I'm at. Unfortunately, most games can't really do this for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, like Until Dawn, I liked, but I wasn't scared by it. So I don't know. There, the like, like I'm in this weird spot where like the the like my magnum opus of horror games happened seven years ago and there hasn't really been another one that's why i was so bitterly disappointed and so like absolutely negative during the uh the amnesia machine for pigs episode because like i wanted that to be amnesia again and it wasn't uh and the stuff that they took out where i felt core elements of of the amnesia formula Um, you know, the monsters were not as scary, like, things like, little details, like, like in Amnesia, A Dark Descent, when a monster sees you, it creates this high-pitched... Or like nails on a chalkboard, scratching sound in your in your ears uh, as it's chasing you, and it's like you get this sense like it's it's a, a monster from a completely different plane of existence that that you can't even comprehend. Uh, and the second it sees you, like that that your reality starts to break down. And in a machine for pigs, it's just like pigs. It, it, there's none of that 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 atmosphere to them. They're just big pig monsters that you can easily in the very first encounter jump onto the head of and completely fuck everything up. Um, so I don't know if like anybody else out there kind of treats them that way. And I get like, I realize it sounds kind of narcissistic to say like, Oh, I play horror games because I want to get scared and see how far I can go. Uh, you know, it, it's not an ego thing for me. I, I don't, you know, it's not so that I can brag like, Oh, look at how great I am at, and not being f- afraid. You know, um, it, it's not about resisting the fear. It's about finding the fear and, and overcoming it, which I guess still sounds kind of narcissistic,
0: but like, that's the way I experience horror games. I, I don't know what to say. don't to, to apologize for it. I mean, I, I think that that's actually a very interesting way of putting it. And, uh, I think that 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 might be interesting to people who, like me even, uh, feel like they haven't really gotten a good sense of how you experience the horror games you play on the show. So I I have um, one last quick roundtable. I think think probably we can just, like, bat it around for a little while, and then uh, we can sort of wrap up. But here it is. I just actually wanted to talk about some, uh, some jump scares and games that we liked. Cause we, we sort of touched on these and like why we like them and why we don't like them. Let's just throw out some good jump scares. Uh, spoilers on for this whole section about any given horror game we talk about. So, uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, I got one to start with, just throwing this out there. Uh, Eternal Darkness. So I really like that game.
2: Yeah. But it's not
0: very scary. Uh, I, I actually, or at least I, I didn't find it very scary, I just thought it was rad as hell. Like, I thought it was really badass and, like, kind of metal in a way that, like, most games that are actually trying to be aren't, and I really like the sense of scaling grandeur grandeur and sort of cosmic horror, but it has one really effective scare, and that's, like, the one in the bathtub, so. and it's effective because, like, yes. it doesn't do jump scares very often, and suddenly it does one in a way you wouldn't expect it to do one. Like, in a way which sort of subverts even how it uses the art.
2: That that was the one I was actually thinking about when I was talking about how you, like, have to earn it, but then use it to set the tone. That jump scare is great because it is, does exactly what I was talking about. Because it's late enough in the game that it's not just like, welcome to eternal darkness, boo! Like, it's it's after one or two of the missions, <laughs> and you're exploring the house, and suddenly you're like, okay, where do I go next? Let me look around. And you walk into that bathroom, and it grabs you and terrifies you. And from that point on, you don't trust the game, which is great because the whole point of the game is that you shouldn't trust the game with its sanity meter. And I really, really dug that jump scare. That is a really well-earned, well-used jump scare.
0: That's such a good game.
2: It really is, and... and and then and then you know too human happened and everyone got sad but you know what it's it's a great game
0: yeah to be to be honest i don't think that game needs a sequel uh i think that that, that sort of like it, I'd it, it love almost a really needs to be its kind? own self oh sure absolutely uh also the combat mechanics weren't ever great particularly no. uh, it's mostly just like although i like the spell casting because it's kind of janky
2: Chaturga, Narg, Margoth, Chaturga, Pargon. I, pargon I, I like vaguely pargon, remember the name.
0: Ulioth, pargon. <laughs> know, uh, we're
2: getting weird looks. <laughs>
0: I, uh, I don't know. My my, girl, my girlfriend, and I actually uh, go around like sometimes we just like say this can't be happening. Whenever something <laughs> like weird happens or we're confused. <laughs> For those of you who haven't played it, you play a bunch of different characters in that game, uh, like a dozen different characters, and whenever, like, you have a sanity effect, and it ends, all of them say that line, it, like with, like, a different delivery. Like, that line is universal, and it's actually kind of cheesily, cheesily awesome. Uh, so anybody have another one?
3: I was gonna, I already kind of mentioned it, but I really like the beginning of Cry of Fear, where I believe you're. Getting pressing a button on and there's something on the table. Do you know what I'm talking about, Rutskarn? I feel like you looked at Cry of Fear recently.
0: Yeah, I did I did it uh briefly for um I did it briefly for uh Rutskarn's horror Attic and I never got to cut, get back to it. Uh which I, I may want to do that. Didn't it break on you? Uh my the game I don't think broke, but my like YouTube upload fucked up. Um, that's it's <laughs> It's actually my fault. Uh, it's 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 all my fault. I I was just like, I I think I, I fragged the first video recording somehow, and uh, then I when I did it again, I, I accidentally left off the last chunk. So
1: this is the part of the horror
0: game that cannot be recorded. I I know which one you're. Ta- I know what you're talking about. I think Alex.
3: Oh, it's ta- he takes the pictures of the X. Yeah. There's, you're in a black room, and you have to take a picture of the X, and then you keep, t- keep taking the pictures and the X's in different places, and then the jump scare hits. They've been updating the game it's... a lot now, so I don't know if it's still yeah. at the very, very beginning, but... It's great because you know it's
0: coming, but it's still very effective.
3: Yeah. I it, like it's watching my friends it's try it. Like That's one of those things where you're like, just try this like game. You don't even have to play the whole thing. I just want to see the reaction in the beginning. but there's some really good jump scares in cry of fear so i highly recommend you continue playing it's one of the very few horror games i actually managed to finish that are like that
0: all right look for the next cry of fear episode i guess
1: oh we totally should do cry of fear before halloween sometime
0: yeah you know what let's just do it as a let's just do it as a group episode but um i have a bad jump scare you guys ready for this? I have a feeling you guys are instantly going to agree with me. Oh. Um, effective and bad. Uh, Bioshock Infinite, Boy of Silence.
2: I have no memory of this. Neither do yeah, you I. Know,
0: fuck. You're like, you know, like it's the one where you're um, you're like examining the monitor or whatever. Uh, like, where, like, you pull a switch, and then you turn around, and there's, like, one of those, like, alarm boys, like, with, like, the Oh, that, yeah, that's some (laughs) bullshit, yeah. Yeah. Complete bullshit. It startles the shit out of you. Bioshock 1. Yeah. It startles the shit out of you, but it is completely unearned. Uh, Walking Dead, uh, in the first, like, the second episode, I want to say, when the zombie attacks from the truck, it's great for a few, lot of reasons. It's great because you don't know that, like, dead people turn into zombies, even if they're bit by a zombie at that point. It introduces you to the concept. It's great because uh, it's, like, it makes you feel unsafe when you're, like, in your safe walled compound. And it's great because it's meta. Like, you have a dialogue choice, and, like, you're looking down at the options deciding which to pick but you never actually get to pick one because the zombie attack interrupts you. Uh, that's a great one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the
1: first season of The Walking Dead had a number of interesting um, sort of inlaid into the mechanics of, of, of like stuff, like where you're in the middle of something and then suddenly the zombie attacks. Um, I don't feel like The Walking Dead Season 2 had as many of those, but you you were kind of used to zombies by then. In fact, like The Walking Dead Season 2 almost felt tired, where like sometimes, like, you'd like, oh, this is that scene that happened in The Walking Dead Season 1 again uh, with zombies approaching. And you're like, oh, this is happening again. Okay. I guess this person's going to die now. I didn't even play The Walking Dead Season 3 because I, I was just done after Season 2, actually. I hear it's not good.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm sort of done. You know, can um, I be totally honest? I feel like I'm sort of done with Telltale for a while.
1: Yeah,
0: really like they they had their breakthrough, right? And now they need another one.
2: Well, I mean they they seem to have burned through a lot of their writers and in a yeah, medium where not a medium a genre specifically that they're working in that requires a lot of really great writers having burned through all their good writers is probably not a great sign like I, i i don't know i i i liked walking dead i liked 400 days i liked um uh what was it tales from the borderlands everything else has ranged from pretty okay to good to not good at all, very bad, actually. Um, so you get, like, you know, uh, Wolf Among Us is probably at the high tier of pretty not bad, pretty good, and then you get down to, like, Back to the Future and Law and Order and Game of Thrones and and all their other licensed stuff. That's the other thing, is they, like, they've they've so focused on licensed properties. I, I don't know even if you had decent writers what you could do with that like their, their guardians stuff came their out batman and i just rolled game? my eyes uh, batman got a second season and apparently it's at least more interesting than the guardians crap which is mm. s- awkwardly like not quite the movie guardians but also not the comic like that's the, that's the...
0: the worst yeah like the the marvel the, the marvel licensed birthday party accessories universe is just the worst of all possible fucking worlds it's dire like it is i would rather genuinely like have like a knockoff thor from the side of an ice cream truck like on my like licensed property than have like a knockoff dc cinematic universe Haha, ha, but not quite official branded Thor item.
3: It's just one of those things where we really don't need any more superhero stories right now. It's like the movies are enough. I don't suddenly walk out of the theater and be like, I need more, so I'm going to have, I want a Telltale game about this. It's like, no, I'm it's... actually great.
2: I, I would have loved a Guardians of the Galaxy TV or a video game that was, like, unrestrained by the concept of, like, a movie budget and a movie production value, and was able to borrow random elements from the comic at random and, like, go completely crazy. Like, things the movie universe couldn't do, because that's to fit in with, like, an established, you know, quote-unquote real world where you have Iron Man and Jessica Jones and everything else has to match. I would love an off-the-rails Guardians of the Galaxy game where, like, we meet up with Galactus or whatever for no reason, because we can, because sure... And, I mean, first of all, Marvel would never allow it because, you know, Fox owns Galactus and they won't ever show anything Fantastic Four or whatever. But beyond that, like, they clearly are focusing squarely on the film interpretation of these characters. Star-Lord is Peter Quill with his little cassette player, and Telltale had that, like, crappy 70s knockoff music, but not actual 70s songs because those are expensive, so we have, like, rough interpretations of what 70s rock sounded like and it's just so bad that
0: sounds really miserable actually i'm i kind of want to look up an lp of this that sounds that sounds like uh, that could be amusing
1: well i feel like with telltale um i feel like that like a lot of of like criticisms that have always been there about telltale like, things that I always thought were minor quibbles that I didn't really care about, like, kind of piled up until the whole company's, like, reputation has kind of collapsed under their own weight. Like, their engine was never great. Um, there was always that problem. From The Walking Dead Season 1, well, Episode 1, of of um, they promised but, more effect than actually ended up happening from your choices, um, you know, well, like...
2: They they never fixed the engine, is the problem. Like, yes, right. the engine sucked. But I think the engine worked for what they were trying to do in The Walking Dead. The problem yeah. is they never fixed what was wrong with the engine. They made it prettier, but, like, there are still things like um uh, cutscene timing is way off so conversations feel really stilted and weird which is not great for a game that like a series of games a studio's worth of games that are basically designed to be interactive movies where you have weird yeah. pregnant pauses that are not meant to be there they're just there because the engine is like holding on one guy while we load the audio for the next guy and then we cut and then we have weird awkward non not quite lip syncing to the next guy's conversation like it's weird the engine never fixed the things that were relevant to what their games were trying to do. All the engine fixed was hey, it's prettier. We got depth of field now.
1: Yeah, it felt like they hit that that really big improvement with The Walking Dead Season 1 and then they never iterated on the formula at all. I have um, I don't know if it's a good jump scare, but it's an interesting one. I'm not even sure if it's really a jump scare, uh, but it's. Are interesting you just going to say boo? No, uh, it, it, it brings me to a game that I think is a really interesting example of. Boo. Um, thank you, Rutskarn. It <laughs> uh, is is an interesting example of something that's kind of horror, but not, and that's in Gone Home. Ah. Uh, oh. Gone Home is an interesting game. Gone Home is a game that, like, the Steam store page and the trailer and, like, all the initial stuff kind of sells it to you as, like, this looks like it's going to be a horror game. It turns out to be exactly the opposite, but it still leans on that expectation that you have that it's going to be a horror game in some fashion. Um, And it does this through the entire game. And, and, I, and I really like Gone Home. And and for reasons that I really like horror games, I feel like horror games have this interesting thing where they, they focus on atmosphere to an extent that, ga- that other games rarely do. And Gone Home is a game that is entirely based on atmosphere. I really love games like that. Like, Gone Home is a game where I can immerse myself in a thing that... Like, a, a nostalgia for something that I experienced, which was, you know, um, mid-90s, in-a-house alone during a storm. Like, that's an interesting uh, atmosphere to to try to play up, and it's a really cool one. Um, and it it adds to the, the horror experience. Horror games themselves, like, tap into a sort of... Um, I'd almost say, like, horror games have the same sort of advantage to an extent that VR games have, in that they add something to the experience that is this sort of intangible uh additional layer to the experience. You know, a horror game, you're scared. It's eliciting an emotion from you ideally as often as it can. Um and it adds something to it, enriches the experience in a way that um that you rarely get in other games. Uh that you you need an extra peripheral like a, v, a VR headset to 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 enrich the experience in a meaningful way. But horror does it without any kind of peripheral. So, so Gone Home is a game about atmosphere, and also the story is about um, trying to figure out what happened to your sister, and you discover these notes that your sister left for you, and for a while, there's a very real concern in your head, actually, through the entire game, there's a very real concern through your in your head, as you discover that your sister is gay in the nineties, which is not a great time to be gay, not as bad as sometimes, but, um, and, 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 and you discover that the, the world is kind of like not being kind to that particular, uh, orientation as you would kind of expect. There's a very real sense that like, like you're going to get to the end of the game and you're going to discover that your sister committed suicide. Like that's kind of, that's kind of the, the hook that the game has you on the whole time.
2: I mean they, they they hinted that right with the the the
1: hair dye. That that's what I was going to get to. Is you get up into the bathroom and you see like these blood these these red stains uh on in the bathtub and you go, "Oh god, she committed suicide by, you know, slitting her wrists in in the bath." Uh and then you find this bottle of hair gel. And I thought that was a really like <laughs> A cool earned gotcha moment where the game kind of puts out this this thing that you're expecting to happen and then it goes, S- no, actually, it's all this other innocent thing. Uh, it's actually a little sweet moment. And the, in- the entire game is that.
0: It has a purpose, which is that, you know, kind of this whole secret that you're exploring is something that your family has viewed with kind of a lack of understanding. Yeah. The kind of fear and like a, like a kind of like expecting the worst like not really willing to engage with it or look at it directly when you say it's earned fear this this is really earned fear this is fear that was earned through a lack of empathy and like a lack of sort of being present for this and a sort of a lack of context to understand it from the part of your viewpoint character
3: the game also subverts the haunted house genre too right because yeah. it's like the like, you're, there's still a haunting happening in the house, but, like, the haunting is, like, the memories and the artifacts left behind in this house, which some are good and some are bad, and that's kind of just a really interesting take on how we perceive of memory and ghosts, if you will.
0: Yeah. That's a really interesting
1: point. Um, I, I think the game, like, very early especially, leans very heavily into the the idea of a haunted house, because, like initially, if you haven't heard of the game before, which admittedly at this point is difficult, um, but initially you you hop in there and there's nobody around and you, there's supposed to be people there and you think, oh, this is a haunted house. This is a horror game. I'm going to explore this house and be scared and maybe there's a monster. Um, but like the entire game is actually a, a very positive game in the end and I and everything sort of serves to... to um to reinforce that twist like every single storyline turns out well uh your your character's mother um she she's not happy in her marriage initially um it seems like she's met someone and it looks for a while like she's going to cheat on her husband with this person but in the end uh she decides not to um I suppose some interpretations you could go with like oh well now she's stuck in a domestic marriage that she's not happy with but um you know there, like uh, most plots would have her cheat and then have a drama over it and it doesn't happen um your character's father is this like one hit writer um, and he did one book a long time ago that was well-received and then like everything he's done after that has been trash, and he's just kind of washed out and nothing's going well for him. And then at the end of the game, you discover that he's, uh, he's, he's started a sequel to his thing and, uh, uh, a small like book outlet wants to pick it up. Uh, and, and he's like finally getting that fulfillment of that dream that he's had to, to be a professional author, um, and then, of course, the the end of the game, going into full spoilers, you discover that um, your sister did not commit suicide, but instead that her love interest decided to, uh, to come back to her, and they presumably hook up and everything's fine. And the reason that they're not there at the time that you get back is just because they've run out and they're hanging out together. Like, it, it's... It's sort of a reverse horror game in a way because it, it plays with a bunch of horror tropes uh, and and makes you initially sets things up to make it feel like like to to make you expect that you're going to have something horrific happen and then at the end, everybody kind of gets a happy ending. now that I think about it uh, this is this is spoilers from a recent game uh, Spoilers for Tacoma, please skip to the end of this podcast if you don't want to spoil Tacoma. Uh, you guys haven't played Tacoma either. I, I don't think I'm going to talk... I, I, I have. have. I did yeah. a video on it. Yeah, you did. I don't know if Alex and, and Rutskarn have. Um,
0: I have not, but I'm, I also I, don't know if I will.
1: Like I
3: haven't either.
1: I might just cut this whole segment because now I'm, I'm having second thoughts, but um, Tacoma is a cool game that shares some elements of of gone home, so you guys should maybe play it. Um, yep.
0: <laughs> well, if, if so, are you gonna? If, if if that's all you're gonna say on the game?
1: Well, I was gonna make specific comments on the way that game resolves this plot versus Gone Home, but um, I don't want to now because I realize that like people in this room have not played uh, Tacoma. Fair enough.
0: And I, I like Fulbright, so maybe I will. Yeah, but if so, I think we're well at the point where we can call this uh, whatever this show is
1: a podcast.
0: Just maybe, just maybe, Joshua. Just maybe. Good night, folks.
1: Good night, everybody. Good night.
2: Good night.